Today we have a guest preacher. Um, as you know, last week, one of the things that we got to celebrate was our new chapel house. And that house is now used for accommodation. Um, Anthony Beyond, he's moving in next week. But um, we're using it to support ministry, those in ministry, those involved in missions as well. We're using it as temporary accommodation. Um, but uh, one of our new neighbours, our new tenants, just happens to be a, a brother of mine, and his name is Pastor Jacob Kim. He's the current um, English pastor at One Family Church down in Granville, a church. Is the church about 2,000 now? 50,000? There's about 50,000 minus 48,000 at the church. Um, it's one of the largest Korean churches in Sydney. It's my home church. Um, tell you a little bit about Pastor Jacob. He's an old friend of mine, uh, probably one of my closest friends. Um, we studied together at down the road at Christ College. Um, we both took the scenic route in our degrees to get the most out of our degrees. Um, Pastor Jacob has been ministering in Sydney um, and in Adelaide. He's also done ministry in Gold Coast and Melbourne as well. Um, he's, uh, one of his greatest achievements is the uh, invention of Munspedia, which is a subset of Wikipedia. Uh, it's his own encyclopedia. He knows everything about everything. So after church, if you have a question about anything, anything, you can talk to him and he'll actually be able to hold a conversation. Um, only 50% of it is true, uh, which makes it Munspedia, but you have to work out what that 50% is. Um, this man, uh, he's preached at our church before. He, he's like an uncle at our church, um, and we're very honoured to have him today. He actually moved in last week, uh, so he actually just woke up and then just came to church. <laughs> and so um, just want to welcome Pastor Jacob here today. Can we all welcome him, please? Uh, thank you for that introduction, and it's, it's always difficult when things get live-streamed and stay on the internet forever, but thank you. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a real joy to be here, and it's always wonderful because kind of like how parents are with their kids all the time, but then when other people see your kids, they're like, oh, they've grown so much, or they've seen the changes, because there's, a, there's like a time-lapse and just sort of being here with you. Last time I visited your church, you were in Chatswood, so it's been a long time. And it's, it's wonderful to see the changes, the growth in your community, the things that God's doing. The passage that I want to preach from, it's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's Matthew chapter 11. Uh, I'm going to not read the whole chapter, but I will point to different parts of it. If you have your Bible open, that's really good. If you don't have your Bible, you can have your phone Bible out, but I recommend you put your phone on airplane mode. That's really helpful sometimes, you know, unless you're expecting an emergency. Yeah. But I'll just read verse 28 to 30, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I remember having a conversation with someone who had been at church much of their life, really dedicated to serving. Um, and we were talking and she said to me, Sunday is a really difficult day. And her kids told me how when Saturday night rolls around, she gets really stressed, that her mum, their mum gets really stressed. And so for her, when she comes to church on Sunday, there's all these different people that want something from her, have questions for her, problems for her to solve. And she's there from morning to night, and she goes home. And as I was listening, you know, we both realized that's not how it should be, right? That's not how it should be. And of course, we all have different roles, and so many of us have responsibilities to serve. But we know that if you leave this place more tired and restless than you came, Something's, something's not right. And, and even for the pastors who kind of, they're like at work. But even for you guys, if you leave this time where God's people are meeting in such an intentional way, and, and you go home and, you know, you can be physically tired, I get that. But also, after having met with God's people, after having sung wonderful praises together, you should be able to go home and have a sense of rest in a spiritual self. One of the well-known greetings in the Jewish community when uh, around Friday afternoon rolls around is Shabbat Shalom. You might have, you may have heard it, or if you have a Jewish friend, you, might, you can say it to them, or they might say it, because the Jewish Sabbath starts from Friday evening. And they say Shabbat Shalom, or peaceful Sabbath, it really basically means. They're wishing one another a peaceful Sabbath. And we know that rest and, and peace are intrinsically linked together. Uh, you can't say, oh, I'm going to have a rest at a war zone. We know that rest and peace are linked. right? And the concept of rest focuses on, hinges on certain things, being at the right place, having everything in place. Uh, all the relationships are at peace. And so it's a big theme in Scripture. It's a really big theme that you can trace throughout the Bible story. For example, in 2 Samuel, 
when David wants to build a house for God, his thought of that comes because God had given him rest from all his enemies. That's Second Samuel chapter 7. Right? Um, Psalm 95, God says, those people, they hardened their hearts. Talking about his people in the wilderness. And so I declared they will never enter my rest. Even if we go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, God institutes Shabbat after creation. And unlike the previous days, Shabbat has no morning and evening. And so in God's original design, the seventh day was to continue and continue. But that pattern is broken by disobedience. And so the work that Adam and his wife were to do was restful work, became toilsome work, became scratching out a life instead of living in complete harmony with God and his creation. Well, in the chapter, in the verse we read today, something interesting has happened for Jesus to say these words. John, John the baptizer, John the one who declared, this is the Lamb of God, John the one who was out in the wilderness, is in prison now. And in prison, John is beginning to just lose a little bit of that conviction. So if you've, any of you have ever felt this, like if you call yourself a Christian, but there have been moments in your life where you just, that, oh, I don't know. Well, I want to encourage you because we see John go through this. He sends word to Jesus through his disciples. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? It's unbelievable that John would ask this question. But something about how things are turning out are not what they expect, not what he expected. Now that's familiar for us too. Because sometimes when things don't turn out the way we expect, we allow ourselves and doubts to come in. Whatever he was expecting, we're not really sure. But for John, and for a lot of people, the way that Jesus went about his ministry wasn't exactly what they were expecting of God's promised one. For starters, he's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. He's also spending so much time in the backwaters of Galilee instead of centering his work in the main hot point, Jerusalem. He seems to be giving a lot of attention to the outcasts, but not working with the religious system. There are all sorts of reasons people are 
having issue with his ministry, and even John is a little bit perplexed. And so John sends word, so sorry, Jesus sends word back to John, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive the sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. What he's saying is, John, you are expecting me to be an instrument of God's judgment. But before that judgment, there is gospel proclamation that I'm here to do. He is giving back John word to help John go back to Scripture. The best place for us to go to when doubts creep in, when things begin to unravel, is to go back to Scripture, to go back to our assumptions, to do the gospel course. Yeah, good plug, right? (laughs) What have I forgotten? What do I need reminding of? Jesus brings John back to the prophecies of Scripture. Jesus is on track with Scripture. John, you have misunderstood your expectations. Let me help you show that I am exactly what the Scriptures have prophesied about. There are other types of people that respond to Jesus in an inadequate way. Jesus talks about John. John wasn't a reed swayed by the wind. This is like a fair weather kind of prophet. A reed swayed by the wind, blowing this way, blowing this way. John wasn't like that. He stuck to his convictions. John also wasn't some soft, you know, polished guy. He was a rough cut fellow wearing animal skins and eating wild honey. What did you see in John, he says? You saw a prophet. You saw a prophet, and Jesus says something remarkable. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Because John belongs to a order before the arrival of God's anointed one. He is part of a former order. And so because of that, as much as he's the greatest, he is the least in the kingdom of heaven. He's the least in the kingdom of heaven. He's greater than John because of the order, the era that Jesus will usher in. Now, that says a lot. Not about the least in the kingdom of heaven. That says a lot about who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who will bring about the rest for all of God's creation, rest for God's people. But it's not just John who gets it wrong. It's not just these people who are mishearing it, 
this generation around him are missing it too. They're like children whining and whinging. Have you ever had a child? It's like, do you want, you know, do you want McDonald's? No. Do you want KFC? No. You know, no matter what you offer, they go, no. We played the pipe for you. It's a musical instrument that you dance to, kind of like that video. But they didn't dance. We sang a dirge. A dirge is, is a sad song. But you did not mourn. People are choosing to reject Jesus based on their own convenience. They're having it both ways. They say, John, he's crazy. He's crazy, girl. John, he has a demon. But then Jesus comes along eating and drinking, and they go, oh my goodness, he's a glutton, he's a drunkard, he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. People are finding all sorts of excuses to simply ignore and reject. These towns that saw wonderful things happen, yet cannot come to Jesus in repentance and faith. And Jesus actually praises God for this. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So to summarize again, there are different stumbling blocks Different things, reasons that people reject the Messiah. One is just misplaced expectations, like John the Baptist. There's also childish expectations, like these, the, 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 the towns and the people around. But there's also people who claim to have their self-wisdom, who claim to be self-learned, and so cannot receive what Jesus has to offer. And yet, to all those, Jesus says the same thing. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For the people of God, there were two particular burdens in their life. One was the burden of the Roman imperial foot, the boot of Rome crushing their necks as they were a tiny little vassal to this amazingly powerful empire. Not only that, but they were subject to this heavy burden of the demands of the law, the, the very strict interpretations of what it is to live in a correct way as a Jew. And these were crushing and oppressing them. But it's not just Israel that experiences burden and the weariness of life. Because for all of us and for every person that has lived on this earth, there are times when we think or feel, I'm done. 
I can't do this anymore. I don't want to just, I don't want to get up anymore. And it's for different things. It's because things are not going well. It's because relationships are breaking. Or it could even be because you are in torment from your own sin. You're crushed by your own wickedness and the wickedness around you. But in that despair, we must not remain hopeless. We must not allow ourselves the excuse to go, the world's messed up, I'm messed up, so I'm going to listen to sad songs all day and cry my eyes out because Jesus has said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You know, people make big claims all the time, right? It's one thing to say something. It's another thing to back it up. Who is this person that would say such an audacious thing? Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, I will teach you the steps so that you can have rest. He doesn't say, I will show you what rest looks like. He says, you come to me, I'll give it to you. You can't come to him on your own terms and Rest is not something you give to yourself. He gives to you. There are three things I want us to think about when it comes to coming to Jesus and resting in him. Number one, may you rest in his love. May you rest in his love. Or if, just to use the W, rest in his work. To come to Jesus and rest in his love is to rest in what he did so that we can be no longer crushed and burdened by our sin, by our shortcomings, by our disobedience come and rest in what he has done in what he has achieved come and rest in the cross of Christ number two rest in his word he says take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. We are to learn from him. And I know that, you know, sometimes we, we feel this sense of duty and obligation to keep reading our Bible, to do the Bible studies, to meditate. question for myself as well and for you is when was the last time 
reading scripture was restful to you, where it wasn't just words that you were reading out of obligation, words that you were reading to prepare for something, but words of life spoken by God through the many, many human authors throughout history to reveal himself to you. Rest in his word. And thirdly, rest in his will. Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. We want everything on our terms. But Jesus promises a lot of things, but he doesn't promise that things will go exactly how we expect. And our God is indeed a God who gives and takes away. And in spite of all the bumps you've gone through and all the things that are ahead of you, things that are unforeseen and things that you would not wish upon yourself and yet you know these things can happen. Interest rates, who knows what's going to happen. I don't know how many of you guys have mortgage, but it's stressful, right? That mortgage can get stressful. Job insecurity, health, cancer, all sorts of things. But as a person who trusts in God, it means to trust in God's will as well, to rest in God's will, to acknowledge that in the chaos of all that we see, that God is sovereign and is in control. Church, uh, I hope that when you come here, that by the grace of God, you feel a burden lifting. The last thing that I would wish for you is there's a heaviness that comes to you when you come to church. It's like, oh, I just got to get through this. Just got to get through this sermon. (laughs) Then I'm free. I don't see these guys for another week. Oh. As you drive in, as you come in, that there would be something of a miracle where God just lightens things and you, you feel that there is a specialness to this because the intentional and particular gathering is not all the time. It's not 24-7. It doesn't have to be this time this week, but it often is. And let that permeate into your other areas. The other areas where so much of life can feel like just like a grind or just a rinse and repeat all over again. May the rest that God allows you to enjoy as God's people in a particular way, because in a heightened way, we are through song and through word and through prayer and through fellowship, we are resting in his wo- we are resting in his work. We are resting in his word and we are resting in his will. And let that permeate into the other areas of your life. May God do a wonderful thing. A thing that we cannot control. It's not manufactured that God would do it. 
that you would have Shabbat Shalom every time you meet like this as God's people. I'd like to come to God now. And if you are not feeling that, if rest is eluding you, maybe serving or being at church is a burden, or maybe just life is just crushing you, and it seems that the waves are just constantly hitting you, and you're gasping for air, would you tell God? Let's take time to speak to him. And would his words be words of life to you today? That they're not just words, that you can with your whole heart say amen to what Jesus has said today. Come to me, you who are weary, you who are burdened. I will give you rest. Let's pray.